Okay. How about now? Do we have sound? <laughs> Hopefully. I have been nuked right before the show started. Let me know if this is working or not, please. Yay. Okay. All right. Good deal. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's happened with the intro. You know, I, I went and started broadcasting immediately. Both my screens go black and then it's apparently not streaming and OBS comes back 30 seconds later and says it's crashed and then uh, the, it, the computer reboots and then it installs updates and then uh, now it seems to be working, but it seems to have wiped out all of OBS's settings. So there's probably going to be lots of technical hiccups tonight. I just have to deal with it. It is what it is. I have to, it seems like something, I don't know, maybe intentionally was done to disrupt what we're talking about here because it is a really important subject tonight that we're going to cover. Um, you know, I never know what I'm going to do from one week to the next. I just kind of go out and explore the world a little bit and, you know, discover some things that I think are interesting and that you guys should know about and talk to you guys about them. And this week is no exception. I was kind of curious why I was spending so much time engaging with, uh, uh, debunk the funk and some of the other hardcore skeptics that still, you know, see nobody's died of only one person has died of the vaccine so far this year and all that. Well, it makes perfect sense after coming across the ethical skeptics article, uh, that he's kind of series that he's starting and, Oh, are you kidding me right now? I literally checked this right before the show and now it's switched also. <laughs> Okay. Article that he's put together. Um, we're going to go through this. It really lays out uh, what he's seen, what he's been doing, how he's calculating it, the caution that he's taken to ensure, you know, he's accurate with what he's sharing, his credentials as far as, you know, the kind of work that he does. It's, um, it's very, very telling. But tonight, I want to start right here because, you know, there's something very unusual happening in New Zealand. And, well, what is it? Jesse, why is everyone sick? <laughs> yeah, Jesse, Dr. Baffle, do tell us why in New Zealand, where they have a 96% vaccination rate, is everyone suddenly getting sick? <laughs> yeah, we've been asking the same thing, Sam, and well, COVID numbers are officially down, right? And yet every day it seems like our workmates are off with some kind of bug. Strange. So is there more sickness in the air right now? And if so, what the heck can we do about it? There's just more sickness things floating around in the air, folks. That's why everyone's seven times sicker all of a sudden in New Zealand. Are you sick of being sick? You're not imagining it. More Kiwis are coughing, sniffling, and calling off work. Paging Dr. Baffled. Dr. Baffled. Sort of a little bit down because um, we haven't been constantly, I feel like, primed all the time. Oh, it's the theory that, you know, during the lockdowns, you weren't exposed to other people's germs. So your immune systems are just a bit suppressed, maybe, from that. Except for some strange reason, it didn't show up when the lockdowns ended months ago. It's showing up now. Of course, we've got lots and lots of different viruses coming over. And it's not just the coronavirus. Of course, lots of things are. 
All Seasonal of them. flu, gastro bugs, congestion. Of course, GI stuff. That's happening to a lot of people now, by the way. Got an example from uh, Farming Rebel to show, share with you of several, actually. Divitis, even foot and mouth. It's all making everyone's lives just that. Foot and mouth, we're seeing that in the vaccinated as adverse events. Why? Because the people who took this shot have downgraded, decimated, turned off the signaling, the safety sensors of their immune system. And now they're all susceptible to whatever virus they're exposed to or might already have, but have previously been keeping it in check. Same is happening for cancers, folks. Much harder. And that's despite COVID numbers finally going down. Community cases are at their lowest since February. But data reported in stuff.co.nz suggests compared to last year, respiratory illnesses have doubled. The Well Kiwis survey found double the number of us are experiencing cough, fever, illness, runny nose and sore throats. And when looking at pre-pandemic levels, we're actually seven times sicker. So hmm, what's going that's on? Strange. If we haven't learned anything from this pandemic, it would be a bit disappointing. And one of those things is that when you've got a cold or something like that, uh -huh. don't take it to work. We okay. know what stops viruses from spreading. And so healthy immune systems, vitamin D, vitamin C, or your vaccines. Oh, damn you. All right. Hold Jesse. On. There she is. Jesse, what? stops viruses from spreading and so masking up and keeping a distance isn't just about COVID it's about you know all sorts of respiratory viruses and it's not just the experts who've noticed yeah there has been a few more days off for sure our daughter's gone to kindergarten this year so yeah it's a bit unusual it's hard to say but she's yeah we've been sick out as a family yeah but I know a lot of my friends have been sick it's the worst flu I've maybe ever had in my life um yeah so Worst flu she's ever had in her life. She's still wearing a mask, talking on an interview, threw it outdoors. How many shots do you think she's had? I'm going to go with at least three, maybe four, right? And we, we see this all the time on Twitter, people talking about, this is the worst. I'm so sick. I've had four jabs, and I'm, I can't believe how sick I am from taking these shots. So definitely worse. I don't think it's my immune system because I've been trying to be healthier than usual. So See, the problem is it's not what you're feeding your immune system. It's whether or not your immune system is functioning. And those shots that you took told it to stop functioning, stop sensing cancers, stop sensing viruses, and sending an immune response. This was the pseudouridine that was in these shots. It was meant to get the mRNA into the cell, but also without tripping the immune system. Only problem, they didn't really actually have a plan to turn it back on after they were done. So now you have all these people who, whose cells have been programmed not to respond to viruses or cancers when they get infected with them. So what happens? Well, the, the viruses, the cancers, they ravage people. It's way harder for them to fight. It spreads way more rapidly and lasts longer. That's why the vaccinated are clearing COVID in 15 days versus I think five or seven. And yeah, all the doctors, they're just completely baffled as to what could be possibly going on here because it's definitely not the shot that they advocated everybody take.
right? It's, it's just so obvious. Can you do to avoid all the nasties without having to live in your own personal lockdown? Whatever the government tells you, obviously. I mean, there's really nothing else to be done besides what you're told to do. Okay. Ethical skeptic says, Houston, we have a problem, says, says, <laughs> said that in Texan almost. Seven of the major 11 disease codes. So, okay, first off, let me just sort of set the framework here. So I was arguing with these idiots, debunk the funk and a few others, and you bring up the ethical skeptic. He's been looking at the CDC data. He's been collecting it over time. They're the snapshots that they are releasing. And he's been putting it into his models, okay? And he's been publishing these graphs. We've shown some of you uh, these graphs on the show. And you bring this up with Debunk the Funk and, oh, he's a grifter. Of course, he's not even asking for donations. He actually had a friend who took these shots and and business partner of his took these shots. His system went into multi-organ failure. He went into a coma and then he died. So he just wants answers and justice for his friend. And he's been looking at this data. And guess what? Oh, this happens to be what he does for governments, for corporations, for markets. He's probably pretty successful, but, you know, multimillionaire, I would imagine. And here he is breaking down what's happening based on the CDC's own data. And what it's showing is so alarming that they have gone out and done an upgrade that involved deleting tens of thousands of death records out of the peak of the response to the vaccines that were administered. Because, you know, if you've been watching this show, you know that it all correlates together. And so they pulled out this big chunk as, you know, it's part of the upgrade. We just haven't got them back yet. We're getting around to it any day now. And then they've also been taking and going through and recategorizing uh, deaths from, you know, cardiovascular issues to, uh, auto, no, what is it, um, uh, autism, not autism, but um, <laughs> of course, it's a disease of the memory <clears throat> like dementia, but a, a different one. I think dementia may be one of them, or that might be it. Um, they've been putting them over in different categories where it kind of, has, looks like it's maybe being done to skew the numbers as well. So he's been going through this, and one of the response, another one of the responses as to you know, oh, he's a grifter. Oh, he's making up these models. Oh, what's his data source? And of course, this is where I've been going back and forth all week with these morons. They want to say, oh, well, his source is the CDC data, and here's the current CDC data, and they don't even comprehend that what he's been doing is looking at the weekly snapshots and the changes over time, and that's what shows the malfeasance. The current data set has been manipulated to look like everything's fine. What do we see with the um, uh, DMED data? Exactly well, a very similar thing. They went back and modified the pre previous three years and brought those numbers up in order to make what was happening this year look normal. So this is all very Orwellian, what these companies are doing. These guys are like, 
well, I mean, here's the current CDC data. Ethical skeptic's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it just shows how brainwashed these people are and how they are part of that 20% that's going down with the ship because they can't conceive that uh, the mob could be wrong. Okay. And so we're going to walk through this and I'm going to show you what he's been doing, what he's put together, and in a little bit of detail here that I think is important for you guys to understand given what's unfolding and what I think is going to continue to unfold. And that's a lot of these vaccinated individuals dying as a result of these shots. So he points out here, seven of the major 11 disease codes exhibit stark increased trends beginning in the first week of April 2021, featuring exceptional growth, more robust than even the, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So what he's got here is this week 14, MMWR. The, these are the weekly death. Um, they're not totals because they're not finalized yet with the current data set, but I think they're called provisional death counts, meaning they're likely to be updated as more data comes in. Um, and there was this critical inflection point, and it was week 14 of 2021, April 10th, of 2021 where a, a uh, corner was turned okay and what you can see there from the from the chart those of you that are watching there's the blue line which is the first shot there's the sort of reddish uh, line that is the second shot and he's drawn a line here with this first inflection point week 14 where it looks like about 105 million shots have been administered, first shots have been administered. And if you look at the second shots, uh, it looks like about 55 million of those have been administered. So you have, during this week, what's happened here is you've, you've got this significant population to show a safety signal. It's grown large in the pool of, of, people being experimented on has grown large enough and enough time has passed for these conditions to develop, to go to uh, get reported to doctors for doctors to go and run tests and figure out what's going on. You know, that might add another week or month or whatever. And then for it to get entered into these systems to show up here. So, and, and you can very clearly see as we're going to, as, we're going to look through the data of what's happening with individual diseases that he's tracking these 11 that he's talking about here. They all, you know, they were going down and then they just take off. They take off because of this right here. Okay. So that's kind of what he's referencing. Uh, they is so more robust than during the COVID-19 pandemic. So there were some rises in some, we're going to talk more about that. But it coincides with a key inflection point regarding a specific bodily body system intervention in most of the U.S. population. The COVID-19 gene transfection therapies they would love for you to, to believe are actually vaccines. Increases in mortality alarmingly persist even now. The following work is the result of thousands of hours of dynamic data tracking and research, a journey through which or through the methods and metrics which serve to identify this problem along with a deductive assessment of the candidate casual mechanisms behind it. Okay. And uh, he's talking about 
changes, symptoms, signs, and abnormal clinical and laboratory findings. So the, he's got these signals that he starts seeing. This is May 29th, 2021 in his COVID tracking models. And so this is what he does. You know, he's finding these unusual patterns and new things emerging in data sets for these different organizations. And you have these ICD death codes, right? This is the R0 through R99. We heard similar things in the DMED data. This is what they were kind of messing around with over there. And the first change that he notices is in this symptoms, signs, and abnormal clinical and laboratory findings in this zero to R code group, let's call it. I began to track R00 through R99 deaths along with even other ICD-10 death codes. On December 1st of 2021, attending a business meeting at a client's medical complex passing through the facility, I noticed that their large oncology department waiting room was slammed full of patients. They spilled out into the hallway and finally into the building atrium. Uh, He thought, well, you know, maybe this is deferred screenings or, you know, limited office hours because of COVID, but that's not really the case. And so he, you know, he had tried to avoid coming to those conclusions and instead looked at the data and how it changed over a significant or critical period of time. And this is really the key is he's been watching this thing over time. This is the same kind of thing I was doing with the news. And one of the things that I noticed early on, boy, look at all these fit people. They are fitness models, bodybuilders, swimmers, uh, cops, real athletic people that are healthy, look like they do a lot of cardio and they're the ones struggling with, to, you know, run, to do what they used to be able to do. They're getting exhausted. They thought it was chronic fatigue syndrome at first. And now we know a lot more about the pathology and what's happening to these folks. Um, he's doing the same thing, but with data. Okay. And he says he uses few fancy, uh, academic heuristic tricks. I've elected to employ good old fashions, persistence, curiosity, hard work, logical deduction, and an experienced nose for strategy systems and problem solving. This is what I do professionally inside markets for corporations and nations. After all, I identify and develop strategy to address exceptional challenges. My motivation in writing this article, however, is simple. I do not seek income, subscribers, power, office, notoriety, a political victory, book sales, or nor a new career. I'm simply compelled to stand in the gap for those who have no voice. Those who lay victim to the persistent political hubris and its long shadow of darkness. So what is he doing? He's getting these data sources. This is the MMWR. That stands for the CDC's Morbidity and Mortal- Mortality Weekly Report, MMWR data and he's got three sources and this is what the you know the haters uh debunk the funk who is just a total shill for these vaccines that i've i don't know if there's any point in bringing him on the show for a debate because it's just going to be a colossal uh face palm continual face palm for however long he's on i think but anyway he's pointing out who the cdc is the source well okay yeah here's the three sources that he used uses the weekly counts from 2014 to 2019. So that's where he's getting a lot of his baseline data from. Okay. And those are finalized weekly provisional counts of death for 2020 through 2022. That's where things are still changing for the most part, probably 
in the earlier rather than later records. And also the provisional mortality st statistics 2018 through last month. Okay. October 2020, it became clear that excess non-COVID natural cause mortality was slightly elevated, yet still confirmed to be annual patterns. Okay. So what he talks about here a little bit is there were some of these deaths that hap that were happening, but uh, they, they didn't really do anything out of the ordinary, but there was this one set that he really honed in on that went absolutely nuts. Okay. And he points out that we're seasonal beings. Most people die, more people die in December and January than any other time of the year. There's definitely a cyclical aspect to it. Uh, it was reasonable to assume in October of 2020 that this slight elevation in non-COVID mortality was indeed an outcome of the systemic damage which the SARS-CoV-2 infection and virus spike protein can produce in the human body, an erstwhile COVID-delayed COVID death, if you will, right? So these people were affected by COVID and they're just dying off in a delayed kind of reaction. However, by MMR, uh, MMWR week three of 2022, a disruptive exception pattern began to manifest inside this non-COVID mortality group. It became clear to me that the complexion of U.S. mortality, the who, what, when, and why, had changed substantially from an early 2021 to the end of 2021 and on into early 2022. In fact, an inflection point could even be estimated establishing when this change occurred. It was the April 3rd through the 10th, that MMWR week 14 that we talked about early on. Okay, this is the 105, 110 million that had gotten one dose and 55, 60 million that had gotten two doses. And enough time had passed since enough people had gotten the shots for these safety signals to make a sharp U-turn and start going up. Okay. So this is a crucial date that he's going to go into a little bit further. This is part one of three. And I think he's going to talk about you know, what's caught, speculated a little bit about what's causing this. I think we'll have some pretty good ideas into that, but I'm looking forward to what he comes out with. Uh, and, and you can see like, this is somebody who's really outlining their work. He's actually going to show his formulas that he's using and, and so forth. Not that we're going to break those down in detail or anything, but he's laying out his methods in a very scientific manner. And for these people to dismiss him as, uh, uh, fabricating models and this and that is absolutely absurd. This guy's a professional and he would run circles around most of these clowns and they're too stupid to even understand that is really <laughs> where we're at with some of these folks. Oh, did my spaces die? Are you kidding me? No, it didn't. Okay. We're good. <laughs> Sorry. So many technical issues this time. All right. Um, so, by the end of 2021, it had become abundantly clear that U.S. citizens were not just dying of COVID-19, they were also now dying of something else at a rate which was even higher than that of COVID. So, corner has been turned and something is causing people to die even worse than during this supposed pandemic, that we, pandemic that they destroyed our society over. So, he calls these ACAN, ACAN problems or challenges which feature characteristics of asymmetry 
Uh, so meaning they're not symmetric. Something out of the ordinary is happening here that hasn't uh, happened historically, okay, with these seasonal deaths that are very predictable. Complexity, ambiguity, and novelty, something brand new. Asymmetry in terms of what cancers are suddenly rising, lots of rare and unusual cancers, and they're acting very fast. Why? Because toll-like receptor 3 and 4. Uh, which age groups are dying to greater numbers? That's the younger age groups that are getting these shots. Complexity in terms of the uh, Yule-Simpson vulnerable uh, distribution of excess deaths into various ICD-10 codes. So um, this Yule-Simpson thing is like you've got variables that you're trying to compare to one another, and sometimes the obvious comparison may not be um, the driver. It could be sort of like a third factor. There's more complexity in the um, situation than is being accounted for with the sort of a simplistic binary, is it this or is it that, where you would have to drill down further to really understand why the numbers show a, a result that's maybe not expected, if, if I can summarize that easily. Um, all right. So distribution of excess deaths into these various ICD-10 codes. So they start changing where these deaths are going, maybe to hide them. Who knows? Ambiguity in terms of political motivations behind these health data tracking practices and these Nisonian gaps in information. And finally, a novelty that we are facing a challenge for which our epidemiological community did not prepare and with mankind has never truly grappled before because this thing is a genetically engineered bioweapon that has been unleashed, developed by the U.S. government, unleashed on the people. Alzheimer's, yeah, that was it. <laughs> okay. In my experience, accelerated growth never continues forever. There are always mitigating circumstances and unintended consequences, consequences which serve to confound the future. So what he's saying there, it looks bad, Everything's going up and it's continuing to go, in, to go up. But he says there are times where unexpectedly things just turn and it stops happening, right, for a number of different reasons. So he's optimistic a little bit there, but it's, uh, you know, he's, it's more of like, I hope I'm wrong about this and this doesn't happen. And there's, here's maybe a possibility if we're lucky, this thing could just sort of start abating on its own. But he's not too hopeful of that, Okay. Detailed data and deviation flow charts. So, you know, one of the whole complaints with these guys is, oh, he's just making stuff up and he's a grifter and this and that. And Well, okay, guess what? He's laid out his two data sources. He's built you now a flow chart to show you what he did with each week. He's got his master uh, key to his, to his master MMWR weekly death database that he's been building keeping track of each data set over time. And it's probably its own table to compare across weeks, across months, across releases. And then he shows, uh, he adds this lag factor because there is a lag with the data. And he also takes and actually puts a damper on the last three weeks of his lag factor to give him sort of a more comfortable margin of error. Okay. And this is what these guys are like saying, oh, this is fake, da, da 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 And over here, he's explaining what he's doing with each data set and how he's arriving with 
you know, what you see, those of you watching what you see on the screen, which is excess death only compared to flat baseline. And you can see that line right there, that week 14 right here, that's where that infliction point was reached and it just starts climbing vertically and has, you know, peaked and then dropped back down for a little bit into 2022, I think. And then what happens? Probably the next round of boosters and it's off to the races again, Omicron, and it's off to the races again because these people have been left defenseless by these shots. And so he's now walked through all of that, how he's generating his data. He's got formulas you can see right there in red. He talks about his PFE, which is uh, pull forward effect factor data and times his baseline. He's got his baseline minus one minus PFE factor times the baseline equals baseline with PFE. And then he shows you his 120 week taper that he applies to his pull forward effect, his forecasting of the current deaths based on previous pull forward, uh, you know, late reporting and so forth. And then he comes up, here's his excess death. So, so now it's all documented guys refute the actual formulas. If you have something credible to say about him instead of he's a grifter because you sound like morons and here's what, where he's calculating his all cause mortality. And so what he's doing or his, I'm sorry, his excess deaths, what he's doing, he's got all-cause mortality. He takes that number. He backs out non-natural cause deaths, okay? And then he backs out the COVID-19 deaths, and he's got U-codes for that. Then he backs out the baseline reference for from 2014 through 2019, that old confirmed data set. So he takes out how many deaths should there be based on historical trends. Give me all the, take out all the, non-natural causes of death, you know, the car accidents, suicides, things like that, which there's some suicides in there from the vaccine injured. So there's another sort of fudge factor that's being added to this data. There's, you know, Kyle, uh, the, the mountain biking guy that's vaccine injured, had this support group and, and like several people, I think it was six or seven had committed suicide in the last couple months because they were de dealing with such severe symptoms, their life wasn't worth living. And those aren't even in his models, okay? So what he does, he comes up with this VAT, or variance against trend. That's the, how many excess deaths are we seeing, okay? I maintain in my databases and monitor each week, along with other pull factors, such as reporting lag, pull forward effect, the PFE, <coughs> I began to notice a potential problem beginning to coalesce with the regard to many of these depicted trend lines in late 2020. And he's referring to these charts right here that we're going to look through in just a minute um, into early 2022. However, before anything statistically significant could be reported, the data needed sufficient time for the tale of statistical deaths from the deadly Delta variant to clear from the weekly MMWR reporting data. This process was delayed as well by the CDC's system upgrade, which began on June 3rd, 2022, and still has not been fully completed. And there's a little announcement here. This is another thing that the haters do not want to acknowledge, and it's that 
the NHCS mortality data will not be published in FluView or FluView Interactive for MMWR weeks 22, 23, 24. It's expected to resume for MMWR week 25. And I don't know that that's actually happened. And so they're saying the NVSS system, cause of death coding system, is undergoing a system-wide upgrade. Because of this upgrade period, certain NVSS surveillance data sets and reports will be paused temporarily, including those used to evaluate pneumonia, influenza, and COVID-19 deaths. It's all, oh, let me back that back down. There we go. It's all a big coincidence, folks. So... As the publishing of this article, 9,200, and and this was published on the 20th a couple days ago at this point. As the publishing of this article, 9,290 death records posted on June 2nd, MM uh, update showed as redacted four weeks later and still remain missing from the data. So you've got 9,300 missing deaths. There's another 13,245 deaths that were recategorized by the CDC from primarily cancer and heart death to other codes such as Alzheimer's, kidney or respiratory deaths, or respiratory deaths, sorry. So there's where they're changing these codes, uh, as I mentioned early on, to put them into different categories, which Alzheimer's, I'm surprised they're using that one. Why? Because of the prion issue. Because the, the lipid nanocomplex delivers this mRNA drug to the brain, gets through the blood-brain barrier, delivers it to the cells there, and you start pumping out these spikes, which uh, can misfold, can, can be broken down into, into proteins that can uh, become prions, that are like prime candidates to misfold into prions, and then start causing problems in the brain and then start inducing other proteins in the brain to misfold, basically self-replicating and causing a cascading problem, which is kind of one of the things we're seeing. So you've got C.J. Crutchfield-Jacobs, mad cow disease. This is mad people disease. You've got dementia. You've got just people dying of all of these things because of what this spike bioweapon is doing. Okay. Uh... Let's see, to other codes. It's hard to envision a scenario explaining this 52,000 record data tampering across the most at-risk weeks, MMWR weeks 4 through 20. So that's the big chunk that they pulled out for the upgrade, 52,000 records, during the peak of when all of these records were coming in. Okay. As not, it's hard to imagine doing this as not uh, constituting malicious obfuscation of U.S. mortality data. As a former intelligence officer and strategist for nations facing some pretty tough corruption challenges, I'm a skeptic of power and no eager subscriber to Hanalon's razor, which is the idea that, well, I mean, if it can just be incompetent government, it's probably incompetent government rather than a conspiracy theory or an intent to cause harm. And he's saying, no, that's bullshit. These people want to cause harm. Charts do not even reflect the addition of the CDC shortened death records reflected in MMWR weeks four through 20 of 2022. Despite this death record shortfall, this missing 652,000 records, seven of the IC10 VAT charts 
uh, in terms of U.S. citizen mortality, you know, during this week 14 of critical importance, the charts feature a stark post-week 14 rise in mortality, okay? And so what is he talking about right here? As soon as this loads, you'll see he's highlighted some of them with a gold background, and then there's some that have a gray background. The gold ones, like these first two that we see here, are gold. And then down here, you can see those are white. So it's the gold ones that he's most concerned about that show a, a you know, like a so, so much sigma rise. I forget what the threshold is. These other ones are a problem, but not as serious, I think is kind of what he's saying. And uh, you can see here he's talking about he's got excess non-COVID natural deaths. He's got septicema. Uh, diabetes is not one of the critical ones. Alzheimer's, not one of the critical ones. Influenza, pneumonia, not one of the critical ones. It's You know, it showed this. Some of them showed a pretty decent bump, but they've gone back down. So it could just be, you know, explained by other reasons. Okay. Lower res respiratory, he's saying that's not a big deal, you know, not that unusual, I, probably because you had this big dip before. But when we get to other respiratory, that one's a problem. Uh, nephritis, which is like a filtration kidney, uh, filtration issues. Cancer, definitely a problem. All other ICD uh, codes, definitely a problem. And we're going to go into detail about that. They've been basically hiding that data by not finalizing these unknown codes and sort of putting that in this nebulous category. Okay. And also heart diseases is one of the uh, ones that he's very much concerned about. So those are the charts that he's talking about. And you can see on every single one of those, oh, which I just closed on accident because I am an idiot. There we go. Uh, you can see there's the line right here. That's the week 14 inflection point where, boom, shoots way up. And uh, down here with some of the other gold ones, boom, shoots way up, boom, shoots way up. It just, it turns a corner on so many of these things all in that precise week. They just start shooting up and go crazy from there. And that was like, uh, you know, five alarm fire alert going off. Okay. Despite this death record shortfall, even the ICD, ICD 10 VAT charts in terms of U.S. citizen po mortality post week 14, this is of critical importance. And that's why. Okay. They feature this stark change. And so here he goes through it with natural cause. It's a five sigma event. Cancer and lymphomas are at a nine sigma. We're talking once in a billion years without something being at cause. Other respiratory conditions is two sigma, nephritis, uh, nephrotic syndrome, four sigma, septicemia, two sigma, heart diseases and ailments, two sigma, and all other IC10 tracked natural cause deaths are at a four sigma event. Inside the other uh, ICD-10 codes is what I mentioned earlier. He saw increases, but they also happened in 2021. And in 2022, they seem like they've kind of held the same level. So what he's suspecting is those are more 
COVID related. He's not trying to grab everything in the kitchen sink to bolster his case. He's saying he found some that appeared to be heavily COVID related because they correlated in 2021 data and there wasn't this stark increase. It was more in line with what COVID was doing and he's not even tracking those. Okay. Of particular concern are those deaths which relate to body-wide regulatory systems, cancer and lymphomas, heart and autonomous, myocarditis, pericarditis, conductive disorders, injuries to the liver and kidneys. These are not only the canaries in the coal mine in terms of pathology, but may serve to indicate as well that a pervasive systemic disruption is at play inside the average citizen human psychology, or sorry, physiology. And I, I got distracted because I'm like, oh, rem- oh, come on, you. I'm like, remember this. Now they're all of a sudden all getting sick. And like, what well, could be going on? Well, let's talk to Dr. Baffled. Uh, I'm baffled as to what's going on. It's very strange. <laughs> so um, that's what's happening. And that's why he's really sounding the alarm and very concerned over what he's seen. These are the death groups which exhibit the most stark trend of increase, the ones that we just went in, and it all centers around that week 14. I sincerely wish to be wrong in this and would be the happiest person on earth if I found a critical flaw in the underlying data or methodology which served to refute it all. Unfortunately, after months of challenging my own work from every angle I could conceive, Impatiently waiting for the CDC NCHS to fix their MMWR reporting systems and processes, because guarantee you they know what he's talking, what he's pointing out. They know it's happening. They're not doing anything to fix it. Sadly, I fear that I'm not wrong because they are engaged in a cover-up right now. And that is really the truth. So those of you watching can see the squiggly line. It's a bit of an econ- of a exponential decay that's happening with the blue and the orange line. You get this yellow one that's got a boost there. What these are is vac- millions of vaccinations per week. And so again, the reason that week 14 day is so important, you can see it outlined over there. There's the bar going down. That's the week 14 that's of interest. And that also happens to be when the number of shots administered per day peaked for the first dose and shortly before it peaked for the second dose. And that was at, uh, what is that? 32, 33 million shot. I'm sorry, shots per week. Uh, and about 20, what is that? 22? No, that's 12 million. And I'm sorry, 13 million. So 13 million and about 12 million. So there's another reason why this thing turned the corner as fast as it did, because that was peak vaccine compliance. And then this red line that you can see going up in the opposite sort of curve is because those are the deaths. Those are the weekly excess non-COVID natural cause deaths that he calculated from the data that we're going through right now. And what does it show? As the shots start rolling out, the deaths excess deaths start going way up and stay way up. And, you know, you've got this little bump after the booster shots there and then a dip and then it climbs off again. What do the, what do the vaccines do? They offer this temporary protective effect and then they leave you two to three to five times, seven times now, I guess, more likely to get sick because they've decimated your immune system and left you more vulnerable. 
So the inflection date happens to correspond to the fastest velocity in administered vaccine doses. That's what he's pointing out. That was peak vaccine compliance right there. Uh, the red line is excess non-COVID natural cause mortality. That's what we just went through. These charts in particular compel the greatest concern in terms of their being indicative of populations-wide systemic health disruption. They are excess malignant neoplasms and lymphoma deaths, symptom signs, and that's C0 through 97, symptom signs and abnormal, not elsewhere classified deaths, and finally, and most importantly, excess non-COVID natural cause deaths. Uh, okay, so he's going to, again, he's going to write part two where he talks about conjecture regarding the potential causes of like what's behind these increases. And here he's pointing out uh, cancers and lymphomas have risen to a nine sigma level after, uh, since week 14. The condition did not exist during the 2020 COVID pandemic period in order to alleviate risk in terms of lag uncertainty. I've chosen a lag fun function which purposely deflates the last three weeks of this death category rise, yet even this conservancy yields a terrifyingly steep trend line. Do you see what he's saying there? He's built in some sort of padding to his model. He's, he's sort of tampered down his last three weeks of data, his, uh, of his projections to give himself a little bit better margin of error, and it's still showing it's going off the charts bad in this graphic here, okay? And, he, and this delta, the space between, if you look at the red line, that's sort of the trend, and it was following it pretty closely before, but then there's that week 14 right there, mm, right there, that line, um, and... It's, it deviates from the baseline, and you can see now with the latest data, it is hugely separate versus where it was, you know, uh, last year in 2021 when it started. It was like this. Now it's more than probably two, I'd say it's two or three times where it kind of first expanded to. Now, here's another one. This has to do with these unknown ICD codes, okay, the temporary holding bucket for this hard to determine abnormal clinical findings and odd deaths. What you can see is this sort of flat line graph and then there's these lines that go up. What each of those lines represents is a previous data set, okay, where they had all of these um, unknown causes of deaths that they would kind of let build up until it got to a certain level and it looks like uh, what is that? 3000 cases. And then they would go in and start working on it and it would dip down. And then the next week it's just gone because they got through all of them and batch processed them and got them properly categorized and assigned. Okay. And it was a few months where they were keeping up with it. And then it started to build back up again and it got to the 3000 mark and they did the same thing. And then uh, 2021 about yeah, the first quarter, sec second, qu second quarter, I would say, they let it get a little higher, maybe 3,200. And then a couple months later, uh, 4,000. Well, now you can see it's stretching out even further. And they've started sort of getting those assigned, but it's not like a previous hook down and then it disappears. It's more like a, we're going to flatten off and maybe hover here for a while. 
to hide these 4,000 deaths. They're trying to stuff these deaths under the rug any spot they can. And so when he talks about, um, the reader should note that 20,000, I'm sorry, it's not 2,000, uh, 20,600 deaths in this ICD hold code have not been allocated to their final ICD-10 disposition. So I guess these are uh, not cumulative, but just weekly. Let's see, symptom signs, week 31. Yeah. Anyway, so there's another 20,000 deaths that are being swept under the rug because they're not going in and properly assigning them. Very likely resulting in depressed myocarditis, pericarditis, and conductive death counts for 2022. The fattening and rounding of this curve in the later weeks on this chart indicate that the bucket is not being curated by the CDC and CHS as it has been in the past. So that's what, that's why I explained through what these previous little look like thing, uh, exponential curves that come up and then have a hook on the end. That's where they were clearing them out. Now they're not doing that anymore. And they've got 20,000 deaths that should make the you know side effect pictures the myocarditis pericarditis things everybody's watching even worse that they don't want to categorize and that's independent that 20,600 is independent of the 22,535 records which were removed from the June 2nd 2022 death and data and have either yet to be placed back into the database or were reassigned to non-threatening ICD codes That makes a total of 43,134 potential myocarditis, cancer, pericarditis, conductive, nephrosis, uh, liver, and or lymphoma deaths, which still have not even yet posted into the data over which this article is sounding the alarm. That is 7% of the total deaths for the period in question and possibly 15 to 25% of those highly concerning death ICD-10 groups trend data are missing. Even absent this data, however, the entailed trends are alarming. So again, they took that chunk in the peak, pulled those records out, made them disappear to lower the baseline, right? And it's still looking absolutely horrific is what he's pointing out here. Finally, we end with the uh, most important chart of all, the chart which indicates deaths which are not from accidents, suicide, addiction, assault, abuse, despair, disruption, nor COVID-19, the excess non-COVID natural cause mortality chart. Now, this is something I've harped on quite a bit because what the health authorities love to do is present the COVID deaths, right? And not the fact that all cause deaths are off the chart. And oh, by the way, you know, it looks like we have a serious problem going on here with all of these diseases popping up, right? The, the what the hell is this chart, as he describes it, we have lost 344,000 younger Americans to something besides COVID and non-natural death during the period from the 3rd of April 2021 to the 6th of August 2022. The current rate of mortality in this ICD categorization is around 5,000 or more per week. There's the number, folks. 5,000 people, excess deaths, likely, highly likely related to the vaccine injured, vaccine injuries, or 
effects. You know, gen- they're not vaccines. I, I got to stop calling them that. They are uh, gene transfection therapies that they want you to think are vaccines. And the most recent five-week weekly average of 7,887 deaths, almost 7,900 deaths, subject to lag, of course, which exceeds most weeks of the COVID pandemic itself. So we're now losing more people than we did even in the pandemic from these mysterious non-COVID causes. And that number is 344,000. And that's been right in the ballpark of where I've thought this, the number of deaths would be. I've talked about 250,000, you know, months and months ago, 350,000, somewhere in there. And he's coming up based on data and his modeling, 344,000 excess deaths. You've seen what he's subtracted out. You've seen what he's excluding and how he's doing it. And there's, I think it's sound logic that he's applying here. And here's the graph for those of you watching. And again, you've got that red line, which is kind of the baseline. And you can see back there at week 14 where it's separated. And since then, you know, it's kind of closed the gap where it's gotten pretty close back to actual for a little bit there at the beginning of 2022. But since you can see it's, it's got a huge discrepancy like this big across there, whereas other times it's, it's a quarter, a third that a quarter of that, I would say, easily. So it is growing and getting worse. You know, it might change for the better, but the data is the data, or are the data, I guess I should say. Okay, if all these mortality excesses were indeed a holdover from COVID-19 itself, they should have already begun to tail off. Unfortunately, they're not. In many cases, they are still increasing, Okay. Excess non-COVID natural cause deaths are at an all-time high as of MMR, MMWR week 31. Excess mortality represents a five-week average of a plus five sigma in excess. And that's with him, again, hedging conservatively for lag, putting his damping factor on the last three weeks. Without a shadow of a doubt, we have established that right now there exists a problem in terms of U.S. citizen health and mortality, one is which is... Uh, differentiated from COVID-19 itself and began on that critical week 14 of 2021 in April on the 10th. Having made significant progress in the second and third article already, we are very much looking forward to publishing. Houston, we know the mechanisms is part two of three, and I'm looking very very much forward to that as well. I think what he's done is absolutely incredible. You know, we talked about, we read uh, Elgato Mallow's article about the experts and how, you know, people have come in and just made them look like fools. The ethical skeptic is one of those uh, such experts that's come in and just torn them to, torn this, the so-called experts, the officialdom experts to pieces with reality, with data, with critical thinking. And, and proper analysis. Okay. Let me see here. Let me just show you kind of what's happening. Uh, this is Farm Girl Rebel. She's a rural 911 operator up north from, uh, you know, central U.S. And she's documented here calls deaths from August 11th through the 22nd. Now she's got 
they're doing 911 for three towns, 25,000 people each, plus the rural area, probably 100,000-ish people. Um, deaths are determined by either being found dead at the scene, DOA, or died at the scene and couldn't be revived. So she's got here number one, an 86-year-old male, DOA in home, 88-year-old female, DOA in home, 52-year-old male, DOA in his semi-truck, truck driver. Uh, number four is a 75-year-old female, DOA in home, 70-year-old male, DOA in his yard, 62-year-old female, hospice death, that's probably cancer. 80, yeah, and you know what we just went through in regards to cancer and what's happening and why. 81-year-old male, cardiac CPR death, 77-year-old female, hospice death. So there's eight in, that was the 8th through the 22nd. The other one was the 11th through the 22nd. So in a couple weeks, they've got eight deaths. And she says, so we do not usually find this many DOA in residences. Normally, we get maybe one a month. Most presented as cardiac or strokes and life-saving measures failed. Now we don't even get to start those life-saving measures. They are just dead by the time we get there. So they are dying faster. Why? Because the damage is more extensive. They've probably already been dealing with the heart attacks. And now their system has so much of the vax noodles in their veins that, you know, their heart's reaching its, its breaking point. I also, she's, this is Farming Girl Rebel, I also wish to point out that this is the fourth dead trucker in a calendar year we have pulled out of semis. Um, I think she said somewhere else it's usually one person. And she hasn't seen anything like this before. So I think this is really powerful to share this kind of reality. And it should open people's eyes. Here's another one. These are calls from tonight. I'm actually going to refresh this because she's been adding on. She's still there, I believe. Uh, So August 22nd, today, right now, she's had first call, unknown age, female, crash car on the interstate into the ditch, having some kind of seizure, neurological injury. Uh Uh-huh. CPR has now been started. Air care is en route. That means not looking good. All call uh, medicals, rural 911 center, giving them out as I get them. So second one is a 38-year-old male wandered into a hotel lobby, clutching his stomach, medics en route. So we're seeing a lot, an explosion of GI-related issues like blocked um, intestines causing all blood clots and all sorts of problems and so forth that that's probably an example of. All, again, attributable back to these gene transfection therapies they'd like to convince you are vaccines and number three is a 23 year old male sudden dizziness feeling out of it ambulances en route and on and on okay i want to go back here and i want to go to what officialdom is now saying and how gee times have changed a little bit listen to this if you have a question and, and it's not clear to you, uh, please consider uh, speaking to your nurse practitioner, your health care provider, uh, to, to get any further clarity. But 60% is better than nothing, so why it not is. just recommend it to everybody instead of saying it's a personal decision? Because at present, we're doing a risk-based approach. What's the risk? Oh. The risk, uh, there's always a risk to, uh, now, to any therapeutic versus... Now it's a risk-based approach, and instead of 100 
100% safe and effective, there's always a risk of a therapeutic-based approach. Remember Dr. Malone, he said like a couple months ago, soon these people will be telling us they didn't force it on anybody. Is that not exactly what's happening here, what we're witnessing? This bureaucrat in Canada tell us? It's a benefit. You want to make sure there's a very strong benefit uh, versus Ooh, the risk. If yeah. we're an 18-year-old healthy individual, the risk of getting hospitalized if we have no underlying medical illness uh, is very, very low. We know there is a risk, a very small risk, one in 5,000 that may get myocarditis, for example, uh, and uh, you'd have to have that. Except <clears throat> the reality is, uh, now they're going to try and claim otherwise, but the reality is that's per shot. So the second dose is one in 2,500 and you get the booster, you get it, you know, a little extra, the magic juice in the booster. So it's an even higher risk there. What are we seeing? Adverse rea reactions events are directly correlatable to the number of doses that you've received. Discussion on the risk benefit of a complication from the vaccine versus a benefit of decreased hospitalization for a young, healthy person. Agree with this decision then to open it up widely to all adults? Pardon me? Did you agree with this decision? Yes, uh, with the nuances of the language that I'm trying to get across of should uh, should get vaccinated if you've got an underlying illness, may get vaccinated under personal circumstances, uh, and, but with a caveat as well, I don't want anyone thinking this will block their ability to get the bivalent in the fall. It, it, it should not. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> We're going to give you all the shots you want. But if you don't get them, you know, we're not going to block that. But we might block your ability to get a job or to go shopping or to buy and sell things. Uh, you know, hey, because we're great guys to get surgery, to get transfusions, to get medical care, because we've monopolized that as well. But they're not definitely not going to block your ability to get you know, some extra shots of this mRNA gene transfection therapy. No, sir, they don't, they wouldn't do that. Just to clarify, the, the myocarditis risk, my understanding was that it, it fell rapidly for second and third doses. Is that something that people should still be worrying about in third and fourth doses? You're right, it can uh, drop it off. Can. Uh, but for a young, healthy in rig male studies. individual, it's still a concern. It, it may be less than one in 5,000. Meanwhile, what was the test in, uh, I forget where it was, France or somewhere over in, in Europe? It's like one in 32, and they were using very high quality tests that Dr. Uh, oh, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter that the, one of the doctors was talking about McCullough. But we'd have to still do that discussion with an individual. Mm -hmm. Let's hear from the CDC director because, you know, they've acknowledged that, well, we've made some mistakes. We could have done things a little better, guys. We're going to have to try harder. And by the way, I, Rochelle Lewinsky, am clearly the person to fix the problems that I, Rochelle Lewinsky, created and oversaw and continue to oversee the cover-up of those problems. This is a limited hangout, folks. They know the truth is about to come out. The jig's going to be up. What are they doing? They're coming out and hanging themselves out to dry 
They're going to reform things and she's going to end up stepping down. You watch and they'll put somebody else in hoping to continue the plan. By the way, her husband connected to a company that got a $5 million grant, brand new company, less than a year old. It's only force of of funding was this $5 million grant. They haven't met the milestones to get the additional $11.6 million. And she's the executive over the company giving the funding and didn't disclose that little conflict of interest because it, she might not have gotten the job. (laughs) Meanwhile, what's the surgeon general doing? He's taken speaking fees, consulting fees in his private capacity, of course, not in his official capacity as the love boat captain from Netflix so they could keep making movies during the pandemic from Carnival Cruise so they could start cruising again as soon as possible during the pandemic and from Airbnb so they could keep renting out uh, properties and bring in the cash register through the pandemic. Hey, look, we got our directions from the Surgeon General. You want to you want to challenge that? State government? These are f- bribes, folks. They're bribes. These people are all criminals looting the system. They spit in your face and tell you it's raining. And most of y'all believe it. So here's her monthly update. I want you to hear what she's talking about nowadays. Thank you for joining today's director debrief. Every You're very welcome, Rochelle. I wouldn't miss it for the world, darling. Every year, thousands of adults in the United States become seriously ill and are hospitalized because of diseases that vaccines can help prevent. Or can outright create, as we're seeing now, as we just covered in the data, that you're trying to obfuscate and hide from the American public to cover your crimes. There's also that. Vaccination protects people of all ages against vaccine-preventable diseases, such as measles, polio, and COVID-19, just to name a few. Vaccines have been used around the world for hundreds of years. and So, bandwagon argument right there. What did she open with? Oh, these things have been used for a long time. Everybody's doing it. Come on, get on board. Today, we have vaccines that can protect against over 27 diseases. Different vaccines are needed based on one's age, health, and travel plans. There's a little plug for the pharmaceutical companies. Hey, if you're traveling, you need to check in with your doctor about what vaccines you should be getting. Vaccination at each stage of life are extremely important, from childhood vaccination, like chickenpox and polio vaccines, to adult vaccinations, like pneumonia and shingles vaccines, and vaccines to protect pregnant people and their babies. Right, like the pregnant people and their babies, she told the vaccines were 100% safe and effective for, based on a study of 41 rats in France, where they killed them all off as soon as they could soon as they got the positive result that they were hoping for that one where they didn't do any actual human trials. Well, actually they did because you know, you had the 230 or so women in the Pfizer trial that accidentally conceived. We had one baby from that whole bunch died. 
five or so were unknown. And then like 200 and something, they just lost track. We don't know what happened to those kids, but I'm sure that's fine. And what was it, a 44% miscarriage rate in, I think it was German data or something like that, was the latest one to come out. And she got on TV and said, oh, yes, you should get it. It will protect you. It will protect your baby. It's perfectly safe for pregnant women. I'm lying through my fucking teeth because I am a asset of the intelligence community, as you're going to see shortly. So protect against new viruses that emerge. Now, COVID-19 vaccines are available for all individuals over the age of six months. Vaccinations are one of the most convenient and safest preventive care measures available, and they can provide protection to you, your loved ones, and your community. Now, why is she having to do this in the first place, right? Because childhood vaccination rates are plummeting because people are learning what we showed you last week, that when you actually look at the unvaccinated, the people who haven't gotten any of these childhood disease, uh, childhood shots, the 27 that she recommends, the 72-something shots over your, by the time you're 18. If you don't get all those, guess what? The people who do have a 48% risk of heart disease as an adult. The people who don't get them, 0%. And when you look across the board at all these different conditions, it is night and day, clear and present safety signal that the aluminum adjuvant that they put in these shots causes autoimmune diseases to develop in people and not just a few people, significant portions of the people and the ones who don't get these shots, they're fine. We went through that. It's the controlgroup.org, I believe it is. And you can look at their data and see what they've done. There's another one where the, the, the debunkers like debunk the funk and the other idiots will sit there and say, Oh, that doctor. And they'll attack the character of the doctor who was uh, stripped of his medical license without filing charges. And then they had to give it back, but he still can't see patients because you get stripped of all other sorts of things that then you can't just put back. And they've attacked and gone on the war path of anybody who exposes this woman's lies and deceptions. And she doesn't belong in jail. She belongs, I don't know, on a, on a chain gang somewhere. Game of Thrones, walking through the street with a bell, I'm thinking, would be appropriate for this woman. During National Immunization Awareness Month, I encourage you to learn more about the power of vaccines and which vaccines are recommended for you and your family by visiting CDC's immunization schedules or by asking your healthcare provider. No, don't do that shit. Go right here to thecontrolgroup.org forward slash gallery and you can see all of their, there's the pilot summary graphs which show us, as soon as this loads, there's their study in detail if you want to read it. Here's what some of their metrics show. Again, the orange is the vaccine group. 
the blue and the yellow color is the unvaccinated control group. Heart disease, diabetes, cognitive disorders, emphysema, asthma, food allergies, developmental disabilities, birth defects, epilepsy, autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, learning disabilities, speech disorders, ear fluid, chronic sinusitis, sinusitis, uh, I don't even know what that one is, SIDS, cancer, arthritis, all showing very clear safety signals that these vaccines are the cause. Meanwhile, this bitch right here has never done a single study comparing this right here, the vaccinated to the unvaccinated. They have the data. Trump sent, you know, big Del Bigtree and uh, Robert, um, oh gosh, Kennedy to go meet with Fauci and others. And they said they would do this. They would get them the data and then they never did. They said, we just can't do that study. And why? Because they can't make it not show this which means that this entire vaccination program that she's here prostituting before all of you should be immediately halted and shut down. This agency should be raised to the ground and replaced with nothing. But, you know, (coughs) they're here to fix things. Let's get the mainstream media's take on it, shall we? I have seen criticism online of Rochelle Walensky, the leader of the CDC right now, that she was critical of everybody else but not herself. Is that warranted? Um, 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 I think she's been introspective. No. I, I really haven't seen that. Uh, and I think she's in a, she's in a hard position uh, mm-hmm. putting out, you know, sort of a, an Between analysis a a of the, uh, the shortcomings of her own agency as the agency yeah. director. So I thought what she did was pretty bold. Um, Stunning and out. brave, ladies and gentlemen. Stunning and brave. Mistakes made on your watch. It's an acknowledgement of your own shortcomings. So I, I don't really um, so see that. So brave and courageous. Your hope for the CDC five years from now, you think it's saved? You think it looks different? You think it's been reformed like this? Not without Congress. And I think what she's trying to do is it's drive a cultural change it. inside the organization. And her biggest challenge, quite frankly, right now, now that she's done the first part, the hard part of, of acknowledging what the mistakes are, being very... You know, that they just didn't give the right guidance because they weren't doing the right studies and focusing on the right things and being faster with their responses. They just need to respond faster and do the same thing that they did. Cause see those, that's the limited hangout. They're not talking about the fact that the entire organization is corrupted. And even when they can't get their cronies who are hoping to go to work for the pharmaceutical cartels after they get off the advisory board to go along, she'll be there to just ignore their recommendation and push the deadly gene transfection therapies they want you to desperately believe are vaccines on people anyway. And her outing that, boy, my agency really should have just done a better job is stunning and brave, ladies and gentlemen, should be lauded. Because, see, this is what happens when government fails. It's not, when you have a private company and they do something that harms their customers or doesn't serve their customers, 
people get upset and they stop using them and they go to a competitor. They get fired, punished. They lose market share. When you have a government monopoly and they fail, inevitably, all of them come out and say, well, they just don't have uh, the resource. They need more staff. They don't have enough staff to work all the, their workload that we created. They don't have the funding. They need more money to be able to properly do the analysis and, and data mining and studies or we need new laws. We need new responsibilities. Translated, we need to take more of your freedoms away and give ourselves more power, usurp more power from you in order to fix this problem. So failure in the government is actually rewarded instead of punished. This is not a system that ever works because the incentives that drive it are flawed. And if you don't understand that, then you're a dog chasing your own tail in politics. Think about that, folks. Public about it is driving that change. And people are remote. People are not in the halls of CDC. They're not working there physically. They're still a remote mm. agency. And yeah, so long you know, as people aren't pandemic. coming into the office, it's going to be very hard to drive cultural change in that organization. I also think it's going to require Congress. Gee, Congress is going to have to I mean, could she, like, tell them, get your ass back into the office? We've got fucking work to do? Hmm, no. Probably not. It's very complicated. And successively legislate, like it did with FDA to reform FDA two decades ago, where it mm -hmm. legislated on a regular basis through the, um, the user fee reauthorization. So every five years, Congress passed legislation that not just provided the agency more resources, but also reforms. You're going to need constant action by Congress to try to reorient that agency. Um, and I, I, quite frankly, the, the hardest part, in my view, is going to be Congress. I don't think they're up to it. I don't think there's enough people on Capitol Hill who understand that organization well enough to actually write legislation to fix it. That's it. They just, it's such a complex problem. They may not even be able to fix it. <laughs> but you know, if there's one person I want to hear from on this thing, it's Dr. Anthony Fauci. I believe so. And I think they should be commended in the fact uh, particularly Dr. Walensky, realizing and recognizing the shortcomings that have been there for quite a long time, long antedating Dr. Walensky's tenure. You're a and miserable I think it was failure. the stress and the challenge of a historic pandemic that brought some of those deficiencies into sharp relief. So I believe we mm -hmm. should commend them hero. for realizing that, particularly Dr. Walensky. There are very, very good people at the Very CDC, there was an issue with the culture of how they approach their responsibility culture as a public issue. health agency um, that I think is it's a culture issue that led to these lockdowns that destroyed the economy. It's a culture issue that led to these illegal mandates that forced people coerced, not forced. That's what the media loves to claim, but that's not the reality. The reality is they were coerced. They were told we will fire you from this job. If you don't get it, that's not forcing them. Nobody was forced to get it that I know of in the U.S. In China, that's not the case. But that is coercion. It's still illegal. It's still unethical. It still violates the Nuremberg principles. But, uh, you know, that's not the problem. It's the culture. Now been recognized. So I'm actually optimistic. And they figured it out. 
that given the fact that the problems have everything. now been recognized, that there's a pathway to making a... The problem is not that they've pushed this deadly shot on people, that it's killing a bunch of people, and they're using uh, the upgrade excuse of their database to hide that fact from the American people and make them think that everything is just fine. That is definitely not the problem. The problem is the culture. Very good organization, much better. You know, and, and, and they're going to be the go years, from good uh, to great. Perfectly honest, a lot of us saw the shortcomings in the CDC, the but Tiger. we thought it was because of political interference, and there was political interference certainly in the press operations. We saw that between the White House and the CDC. But- or you know, there was the collusion between Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and others, where they were actually targeting individuals for deplatforming violating their first amendment rights <clears throat> not that y'all really give a shit about that anyway but uh you know it is good pr to at least make a show of it right but that seems to have been a separate issue that, that there really was problem, an no. underlying cultural bureaucratic culture. problem correct problem. that is absolutely correct uh, uh andrea it is a fact it's a painful fact the good news is that they recognize it and, and, and you're not going to the fix something unless you own it. And as Dr. Walensky clearly stated, they made some mistakes. They've got to own it. And the only way to correct it is to realize that you have an issue, somewhat of a deep seated cultural issue that they recognize and they will. <laughs> or an issue where, you know, you've pushed something on people and now it's killing them and you're instead of owning it and acknowledging it, you're actively covering up the data, exposing it. But that's not the problem. It's culture. Correct. So I'm, I'm quite optimistic that my colleagues and friends down at the CDC are going to be able to regroup and handle this. Mm-hmm. In his absence. Because guess what? He turned in his notice. He's out of here in December. Off to greener pastures. I mean, out of here. He's still going to be on the government doyle for 350 grand a year. But, you know, that is a 250 grand decrease. And then they're going to have to pay some new bureaucrat that money. It's going to be great. It will fix everything. He is definitely not a rat fleeing the sinking ship. The title of last week's show. It's so predictable. These people are going to start stepping down and disappearing. Walensky, she'll be gone. Eventually, the public outcry, and she'll resign. And it's all part of the, the, the puppet show that they're presenting to you as reality. Meanwhile, what happens on social media? Well, here, this is from Charles Rixley, and he's pointing out some of the suspended accounts that he knows. And you've got uh, Igor, who we've read some of his Substack articles on the deaths and so forth. You've got Jay Gigaon Biological, one of the people that I learned a tremendous amount, you know, much more detailed scientific show, has some great guests on his podcast. He's been deplatformed. Dr. Joanna, she's the immunologist expert. She's been deplatformed over, I believe, in Germany doing actual lab work related to this stuff. You've got Stephanie Seneff, who did the, you know, told us she's the uh, 
I think it's associate professor at MIT or something, adjunct professor at MIT, focusing on AI. She's written the book on glyphosate. She's the one that told us about the uh, deaths in pigs. After the second dose of the pegylated lipid, she found that study and referenced it. And that's the reason I know about it, because she put it in the paper that she wrote. She's been suspended. Amy Mack, I don't even know who that is. Amazing. Dr. Fenn, she's been a very outspoken critic on Twitter. She's gone. David L. Wendit, I, I don't even know who that is. Dr. Kat Lin Lindley, she was on the show. Clucky. Very, very smart. He's like very much like a Jicky who's also on here. Um, you had uh, Deyu, who was like way over my head. I could barely follow. I felt stupid reading his tweets. Uh, Generator, which is a German account, uh, also a very smart person, really knows their stuff. Jicky and then Chairman Mao. And then he might be on Twitter, but I'm not saying... <laughs> Uh, and Dr. Claire Craig from the Heart Foundation, we showed you a video clip of her a few, a few weeks back, excuse me. All those people in the last couple months have been deplatformed. They were all pointing to scientific studies, articles, helping people like me understand and explain this stuff to people like you. And they've been all wiped away erased from the conversation. Meanwhile, you get idiots like debunk the funk who want to go and attack the messenger and discredit this and, oh, that's not reputable and, oh, you don't understand this, you don't understand that, told Charles Rixley, who used to work in uh, weapons of mass destruction in the military, was an instructor, that he didn't know what he was talking about with an airborne pathogen distribution, which is what he used to model for the Marines. It's like, you fucking idiots. But that's who's you know, allowed to speak while the people who are actually doing science-based research are being censored and shut out. People with subject matter expertise to interpret the data are being silenced and shut out because, you know, they, the, the, their narrative can't stand up to the truth. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Okay. Let me see what else I want to go through here briefly. We're almost done. Okay. Yeah. One more story over here. <clears throat> so I read this. This is about uh, Moderna and this shady ass company resilience that they have partnered with contracted with to produce the new bivalent meaning Two spikes. Hey, I mean, one has worked out so well. Let's inject people with two. And by the way, we don't even need to trial it. Let's just stick it in their arms and hope for the best. What could possibly go wrong with two spikes instead of one? With two deadly bioweapons instead of just one? <laughs> I'm sure it's going to work out great for those people. I want you to see the connections with this company and see what we're actually up against and where all this censorship is coming from, folks. So RNA from Moderna's Omicron booster manufactured by CIA-linked company. Since late last year, messenger RNA for Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines, including its recently reformulated Omicron booster, has been exclusively manufactured by a little-known company with significant ties to U.S. intelligence. The United Kingdom became the first country to approve this reformulated version, the bivalent 
Uh, they're describing it as a sharpened tool, never been previously approved and has not been the subject of independent study. But yeah, let's just stick it in some arms and see how it goes, shall we? The company, let's put on a little, that. Uh, never mind. <laughs> the company promoted incomplete. I tried to quote the streets there. Let's put on a little dance. No, music and we'll have a little dance. I don't remember the word, the phrase. Anyway. The company promoted incomplete data from that trial in the company press release in June and July. The study has yet to be published in a medical journal or peer-reviewed. No concerns have been raised by any regulatory agency in the MHRA regarding Moderna's past history of engineering, engaging in suspect and likely illegal activities in its past product trials, including for its original COVID-19 vaccine. They've been lying before, but, uh, you know, why we should trust them. The newly formulated genetic material is being manufactured not by Moderna, but by a relatively new company that has received hardly any media attention despite its overt links to U.S. intelligence. Last September, it was quietly announced that a company called National Resilience, often referred to simply as Resilience, will begin manufacturing the mRNA for the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine products. This was founded uh, relatively recently in November of 2020. It describes itself as, quote, a manufacturing and technology company dedicated to broadcasting, broadening access to complex medicines and protecting biopharmaceutical supply chains against disruption. Does this sound in military at all to you? A sustainable network of high-tech end-to-end manufacturing solutions with the aim to ensure the medicines or national security Medicines of today and tomorrow can be made quickly, safely, and at scale. Quote, it democratizes access to medicines. Yeah, I bet that's exactly what this pharmaceutical cartel is forming is going to do. It's going to democratize your access to medicines for you. I mean, you don't need to do it yourself. They're going to handle it and you can trust them and just take whatever shot they want to inject in you. That's how this is going to work, see. Namely, gene therapies, experimental vaccines, and other medicines of tomorrow. Sounds 100% safe and effective, doesn't it? Cell and gene therapy, viral vectors, vaccines, and proteins like, you know, prions. That sounds great. A way to improve post-COVID pandemic preparedness. See, there's another. National security. So let's go ahead and fund this with the government. What do you think? Was it? The company initially marketed its manufacturing capabilities as RNA development for vaccines, gene editing and therapeutics, and, quote, virus production, end quote, including viral vectors and oncologic viruses, a virus engineered to preferentially attack cancer cells, viruses for use in vaccine development, and gene-edited viruses for unspecified purposes. Wait a minute. Gene-edited viruses like, you know, what SARS-CoV-2 is. So they are literally bringing bioweapons production right out into the open with a private company not subject to FOIA requests that CIA funded an intelligence community backed and run. Do you see what they're doing, folks? National Resilience offers product formulations and other modalities such as uh, biologics and cell therapies to its client and the virus production of its website has since been removed. Well, we're 
you know, come talk to us and we'll tell you about our capabilities. Young company, few clients. They're, they've got offices in Boston, uh, Mishawaga, Ontario, Canada, and a facility in Fremont, California, roughly 700 employees. And they've acquired this striking 600,000 square feet of manufacturing space after having only emerged from stealth less than six months prior. And guess what? Uh, April 2021, they got a $37 million contract from the U.S. military, built their first BSL-3 lab, the ability to manufacture cells and gene therapies, live viral vaccines and vectors, and oncologic viruses. Woo! Awesome. Can't wait. These things are going to work. They're going to cure cancer, just like Biden wanted. Remember? Remember when he told us he was going to cure cancer? Partnership with the government of Canada plans to invest $154 million in the facility up there. Of course, they're following their Weffer globalist marching orders. The company's ambitions apparently go far beyond manufacturing RNA viruses, seeking to build, quote, the world's most advanced biopharmaceutical manufacturing ecosystem, end quote, manufacturing cell therapies and gene therapies, as well as RNA-based treatments. This, the CEO of Resilience, he was the CEO at Novavax, which got sailed through, right? Or I think they're going through FDA for this bivalent, meaning two spike gene therapy that they haven't tested either. Resilience bills itself as offering solutions that will allow futuristic medicines poised to become the manufacturer of choice for mRNA vaccines and experimental therapeutics in, in the event of a future pandemic, which Bill Gates says is imminent. So this is the new billionaire being set up here to rake in all that government money when they roll out their next pandemic with their testing devices that they can upload the firmware and change the positive result parameters to create whatever they need to, whatever they want to. Claims that they support clients through uh, the government regulatory process seems at odds with the slower traditional regulatory process. So like they're telling companies, yeah, we'll help you sort of grease the skids here and get this to sail right on through regulatory approval. We'll do that for you. We'll negotiate with the government on your behalf because we're such great guys, not because they're corrupted and bribed and we're part of the intelligence community and we can basically give them orders and they'll do whatever we tell them. So they are literally going to just take these unsafe, untested vaccines, rush them, bum rush the regulatory process, start injecting them on you, cover up the deaths and like, mm, well, maybe we should try harder next time. Try not to kill everybody that takes it or as many people that take it. That should, that should go great. Shouldn't it? It previously offered on its website, quote, regulatory support and strategy consulting to clients suggesting it would seek to mediate between clients and government regulators. Former top food and drug administrator FDA officials are either on the company's board or uh, as will be noted shortly, Biotech venture capitalist Robert Nielsen, he was one of the earliest investors in Illumina, the California-based gene sequencing hardware and software giant that is believed to currently dominate the field of genomics. As mentioned in a previous Unlimited Hangouts investigation, that's the website that put this together, Illumina is closely tied, and you can go read that one as well, closely tied to the DARPA equivalent of the Wellcome Trust known as Wellcome Leap, which is also focused on 
futuristic and transhumanist medicines, gene therapies. Nielsen is now chairman of National Resiliences Board, which is a who's who of big players in the U.S. national security state, the pharmaceutical cartels, and pharma-related philanthropy. The idea for the company, he said, actually came from Luciana Borio. At the time of their conversation, Borio was the vice president of NQTEL, the venture capital arm of the CIA that's been used since its creation. So he was fed this idea by a CIA asset, you understanding, for this company Resilience in the early 2000s to found a number of companies, many of which act as agency fronts. Prior to NQTEL, she served as director for medical and biodefense preparedness for the National Security Council during the Trump administration and has previously been the acting chief scientist at the FDA from 2015 to 2017. So CIA intelligence asset making the rounds. Borio is currently a senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations, a CFR, the globalist organization, a consultant to the Goldman Sachs game, gang, a member of the Bill and Gates uh, funded Vaccine Alliance, CEPI, and a partner at Nielsen's venture capital firm, Arch Venture Partners, which funds resilience. Charles Lieber is, is referenced in here. He's part of this. I recognize, I don't know who he is, but I recognize the name from Drastic and Charles Rixley. That's, he's one of the bad actors. Maybe somebody in chat knows. <clears throat> Borio was writing a policy paper for the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security that recommended linking COVID-19 vaccination status with food stamp programs and rent assistance as possible as a possible means of coercing certain populations to take the experimental vaccines. You know, in the poor communities where they had the lowest uptake, they were going, she was planning to actually force them out on the street, take away their food stamps, their ability to eat, or their uh, ability to live in government uh, subsidized housing if they didn't take the shot because they weren't taking it. That's who these people are. Borio is hardly Resilience's only NQTEL connection. As the CEO of NQTEL, Chris Darby, sits on the company's board of directors. Darby is also on the board of directors for of the CIA Officers Memorial Foundation. Darby was also recently a member of the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, where members of the military intelligence community and Silicon Valley's top firms argued for the need to reduce the use of, quote, legacy systems in favor of AI-focused alternatives as a national security imperative. Listen to this. Among those legacy systems identified by the NSCAI were in-person doctor visits and even receiving medical care from a human doctor as opposed to an AI doctor. The NSCAI also argued for the removal of regulatory barriers that prevent these new technologies from replacing legacy systems. So they literally want to take away your access to a human being. You do whatever the robot says on the screen. He'll prescribe something for you and their CIA funded corporation will dispense it to you and good luck. Hope for the best. Hope that they haven't marked you for deletion. Marked you for cancer in six to 12 months. Marked you for whatever they want to befall you. Because that's the system that these psychopaths are building for us all. 
Another notable board member and discussing resilience's intelligence ties is Drew Odding. Uh, Odding works for Cerebrus Capital Management, the firm headed by Stephen Feinberg, who previously led the president's intelligence advisory board under the Trump administration. See all these Trump links, folks. Operation Warp Speed, he helped push all of this forward. Cerebrus is notably the patent company of DynCorp, a controversial U.S. national security contractor tied to numerous scandals, including scandals related to sex trafficking and conflict zones. Auding is also part of the CIA-linked THOM NGO, ostensibly focused on tackling child trafficking that was the subject of a previous Unlimited Hangouts investigation. So another story you can read about these people related to child trafficking. And guess what? I bet they were involved. (laughs) Auding is also the co-founder of 8VC, a venture capital firm that is one of the main investors in resilience. 8VC's other co-founder, Joe Lonsdale, and Auding started his career as Lonsdale's chief of staff. Lonsdale is the co-founder alongside Peter Thiel and Alex Cat. Carp of Pantera, a CIA front company. I think that's one of the ones that was shooting civilians in Iraq out of the back of SUVs. Uh, an intelligence contractor that is the successor to DARPA's controversial, it's a CIA front company, an intelligence contractor that is the successor, successor to the TIA, the Total Information Awareness System, the mass surveillance and data mining program that they uh, this was back in Snowden era that that was uh, found out. <clears throat> in addition, Odding previously worked for Bill Gates's investment fund. Imagine that. Also worth noting is the president uh, is the pres- presence, sorry, the presence of Joseph Robert Curry, former U.S. Uh, senator for Nebraska and former member of the conflict of interest-ridden 9/11 Commission on Resilience's board. Currently managing director of Allen and Company, a New York investment banking firm, which has hosted an annual summer camp for billionaires since 1983. Is that the one with the owl and the burning of the cremation of cares ceremony out there in California that he's talking about? That one where there's supposedly ETs and who knows what else going on out there. Allen and Company has long been a major player in networks where organized crime and intelligence intersect. In addition to these intelligence-linked individuals, the rest of Resilience's board includes the former CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Susan Desmond Hellman, former FDA commissioner and Pfizer board member Scott Gottlieb, two former executives at Johnson & Johnson, former president and CEO of Telva Pharmaceuticals North American branch, George Barrett, Caltech professor and board member of Alphabet, Google, and Illumina, Francis Arnold, former executive at Gentech, and Merck, Patrick Yang. For those who are skeptical of the outsized role that intelligence-linked companies are playing in an attempted technological revolution in the medical field, it is best to consider Resilience's role in the upcoming fall vaccination campaign and the future pandemic and public health scenarios, you know, the same ones that basically laid out COVID perfectly months before it actually happened. They are participating in the same sort of future pandemic drills before trying its futuristic products, right? You might want to think about that because these people are most likely trying to fucking kill you. And if you don't wake up to that reality, you're not going to make it. So there you go. 
course, what else is happening? I think this is noteworthy. FBI misled judge in obtaining warrant to seize hundreds of safety deposit boxes. You have this company that's been FBI is trying to get them to let them into their vault to go through all the safety deposit boxes and under they're under investigation. Well, they go and hold on, let me turn this on. There we go. They go and get this warrant, except there's a little bit of a problem. New evidence shows that federal agents were plotting all along to use this operation as an opportunity to forfeit cash and other values. They said, well, judge, we need to go in there just to inventory. Okay. We want to look through the boxes, see what's in there. We're not going to, we won't even launch criminal investigations based on anything we find. And we just want to look through and see what's in there. So we know what we're dealing with because they've been trying to get access and force this company to bend the knee and let them snoop on everybody's private belongings. When the raid took place, the FBI also seems to ignore the limitations imposed by the warrant, including an explicit prohibition against using safety deposit boxes as the basis for further criminal investigations. Oops. $86 million in cash as well as gold jewelry and other valuables from property owners who are suspected of no crimes was taken by the FBI. That's quite the haul. That's $86 million. That's a lot of loot, folks. Very successful. Well done, FBI. Those, the unredacted legal documents filed in federal court on Tuesday show why the government was eager to keep those details under wraps. In the affidavit, you know, like the affidavit that they won't disclose for the Trump raids, as part of the effort to obtain the warrant for the search, Assistant U.S. Attorney Andrew Brown wrote federal agents intended merely inventory uh, to, to merely inventory the contents of the seized of the seized safety deposit boxes, but the newly unredacted documents show that the FBI had drawn up plans months earlier to forfeit property from the boxes and failed to inform the magistrate judge about those plans. Oops. It was just an honest oversight judge. We're very sorry. We're very sorry. We flat out lied to you. Colluded to obstruct justice. We had, quote, we had already determined that there was probable cause to move forward, end quote, with civil, civil forfeiture proceedings against the contents of the safety, safety deposit boxes. Before the search occurred, FBI Special Agent Jesse Murray said in a deposition. So in one of these lawsuits, they got the FBI agent in and he told the truth accidentally. That no, they, before the raid, they were planning to seize these boxes seize the contents, rip these people off, rob them blind under color of law while lying to the judge in order to do it. This is the honorable and highly integrity uh, holding FBI. The same warrant expressly forbade federal agents from engaging in quote criminal search or seizure of the contents of the safety deposit boxes. Agents arranged to have drug-sniffing dogs present. Why would you need those, right? The government misled the court about its forfeiture plans when applying for the seizure warrant, intentionally disregarded the warrant's substantive limitations, and conducted pretextual sham inventory while searching for evidence of criminality, end quote. The FBI has been investigating the U.S. private vaults, that's this company, for more than five years and had previously targeted individuals suspected of using the business to stash the proceeds of criminal activity. In 2019, and a lot of people use this because it's kind of a specialized company that's standing up for them. 
2019, according to some of the newly unredacted depositions, federal agents shifted their approach and began building a case against the company as a whole. So whatever it takes, right? I mean, these people are absolute criminals. I'm sure if you went and lied to a judge and, uh, you know, took away someone's liberty, took away their private privacy, and you used your lie to rob these people blind while misdirecting a federal judge, your ass would be in jail. But for them, it's probably going to be an unfortunate oversight that needs to be corrected going forward. Whereas what will we have in a private agency, you know, a private market for protection services? A company that behaved this way would be facing blowback from all their competitors who would show up demanding stuff, demanding arbitration. This company that's providing these investigative services, if they're called the FBI or whatever, would lose serious business for something like this, where they basically just become a bunch of fucking thieves and they would go out of business or lose market share. That's how the free market works. But instead they get protected they get coddled and they get away with robbery. I mean, they were literally going through people's safety deposit boxes that might've stashed cash in there. And if somebody had used a hundred dollar bill, rolled it up to snort some cocaine through there, the dog would smell that and aha proceeds of drugs, all ours. Let's empty this one out. Clean it out boys. Yes. It's going to be a good Christmas party this year, folks. That's who these people are. And the right person at the head of the FBI is never going to fix this because it is a flawed incentive that allows them to get away with this. And it it will never, ever be fixed until competition and free markets are allowed to correct this kind of behavior in a free marketplace. That's what's needed. The government has to put its guns down and come to the table and talk. But they'll never do that because they have no incentive. They have the guns. They're the ones who get to legitimately use them. And if you don't like it, they have a cage for you. They will literally hold up four fingers And if you don't say it's five, they will put you in jail. They will kidnap you and put you in a cage and hold you ransom. And getting the right people, firing the head, doesn't fix this problem. Okay, I just wanted to mention real quick, uh, Epstein's littleblackbook.com. Epsteinblackbook.com is the website, sorry. And what's in here? Well, all the names in this little black book that I think one of his staff member has, uh, and it's got names, addresses, phone numbers for a lot of these people that were associates. Somehow he got their contact information, right? And you can look and see each individual page and get all the, the details if you'd like. Okay, sorry. Uh, There's also the flight logs in total here. 
and you can see for each page they've given you an image of the flight log and then they transcribed the details so if you wanted to you know cut and paste this into a spreadsheet or something you could do that fairly easily and there are 73 pages to do that with uh, and then what else is here there's some files uh, I guess that's the full data sets that they're using and then they've got some news articles so anyway those of you wanting to look into this now somebody was calling like release the names on the on the flight logs well they have what they haven't released is Ghislaine Maxwell's client list and they're never going to the F, the same FBI that's going around ripping people off and these are people using those safety deposit boxes that they see as competing criminal gangs hey they're not paying their protection money because that's what government is it's the mafia but with good PR okay and if you don't pay the protection racket oh you know some of your stuff might turn up missing <laughs> that's what government is that's who these people are never put your money in a government safety deposit box folks it's a bad idea okay real quick i want to point out here there was the great barrington declaration which talked about natural immunity and uh you know basic common sense things about coronavirus those people were called heretics, lunatics, they're wrong, it's not true, on and on. And well, now it turns out, no, they were right. Everything they said was true, and all of the so-called experts are now ceding to the Barrington Declaration. Even if they don't want to, their policies reflect that that thinking was correct. And well, now the same thing has happened with climate, okay? There is no climate change emergency. This is uh, CL cintel.org and they've created this document there is no climate emergency they're saying here let me blow this up a little bit uh, natural well-known anthropogenic factors cause warmings natural cycles warming is far slower than than what they've predicted we've had all these doomsday predictions in 10 20 30 40 50 years they've all come and passed and hasn't happened Climate policy relies on inadequate models. They are doing, engaging in the same kind of scientific fraud. Remember what they did with the COVID modeling, saying, oh, we're going to be millions of deaths. And it was just completely fabricated bullshit nonsense. And the experts rightly so tore them a new one on that. CO2 is a plant food and the basis of all life on Earth, what they're trying to limit, you know, to save the planet, would actually green the planet. Global warming has not increased natural disasters, but you know what has? Uh, the weather wars and the weather manipulation. We're seeing floods over in the UAE because they're uh, going up with electrostatic airplanes that are discharging and causing rain, triggering rainstorms. Well, what does that do? It disrupts the global cycle of moisture, so it's causing extreme weather events in other places. And this is one of the new forms of warfare that is not fought with bullets and soldiers. It's fought with economic and weather weapons. Okay. And they're saying um, climate policy must respect scientific and economic realities. This whole net zero stuff is absolute nonsense. Our advice to the European leaders is that the science should strive for a significantly better understanding of the climate system 
while politics should focus on minimizing potential climate damage by prioritizing adaptation strategies based on proven and affordable technologies, right? So let's use some common sense here. And this is going to be proven true eventually as well. Their whole climate change narrative is going to fall and die. And this will come out victorious as well. But, you know, apparently we're going to have to go through that. But it's the same fraud that's happening by the same so-called experts who are using this to extract our wealth and scam and control us. And it will never stop until we say enough. We're not going along with this anymore. Okay. And I want to close with this right here. I want you to watch this hearing from several years ago. I thank the chairman and the ranking members for the opportunity to offer testimony. Ah, crap. There we go. I thank the chairman and the ranking members for the opportunity to offer testimony today. Prior to 2009, I felt that supporting the IPCC... This is Dr. Curry, IPCC. This is the climate change panel, international expert of, or panel of, uh, of uh, compromised experts pushing the climate nonsense. Census on climate change was a responsible thing to do. I bought into the argument, don't trust what one scientist says, trust what an international team of a thousand scientists has said after years of careful deliberation. That all changed for me in November 2009, following the leaked ClimateGate emails that illustrated the sausage making and even bullying that went into building the consensus. I started speaking out, saying that scientists needed to do better at making the data and supporting information publicly available being more transparent about how they reach conclusions, doing a better job of assessing uncertainties, and actively engaging with scientists having minority perspectives. The response of my colleagues to this is summed up by the title of a 2010 article in the Scientific American, Climate Heretic Judith Curry Turns on Her Colleagues. <laughs> I came to the growing realization that I had fallen into the trap of groupthink. I had accepted the consensus based on second-order evidence, the assertion that a consensus existed. I began making an independent assessment of topics in climate science that had the most relevance to policy. And what have I concluded from this assessment? Human-caused climate change is a theory in which the basic mechanism is well understood, but whose magnitude is highly uncertain. No one questions that surface temperatures have increased overall since 1880, or that humans are adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, or that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases have a warming effect on the planet. However, there is considerable uncertainty and disagreement about the most consequential issues, whether the warming has been dominated by human causes versus natural variability, how much the planet Okay, I don't. I didn't know the audio did that. Hopefully, it, you know, it's not going to pick back up. <laughs> well, this is a fun one for technical difficulties. Let's see if it comes back at all. I think it may be the source video. Something <laughs> great. Well, there you go. I think you get the idea. So she goes through and really just logically tears apart this whole climate change narrative, which is absolute, utter nonsense. 
It's fabricated studies, just like we saw for COVID-19 and the whole pandemic. And it is another coordinated attempt to extract your wealth, to print up trillions and trillions of dollars and hand it out to their buddies and make some new millionaires and billionaires at your expense. Because we're all paying for it now through these higher prices, through these uh, you know disruptions in the supply chain, through what's going to be a cratering economy and massive layoffs and food shortages and everything else. And it will never, ever stop. They'll always be on to the next heist as long as they can get away with it until we tell them no more. We're not having this. Enough is enough. And start dismantling this monster that we've allowed to be created and control our lives, our society, the direct hold back humanity from evolving and growing. That's where we are. So, okay. Enough on all of that. I believe that was it. Make sure. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, if you want to make a comment or if you're on spaces and you want to jump in real quick, we can do that. And then we're going to get out of here. Uh, a quick update on Stripe. So they were, I had tweeted out that they had fixed it. You know, I got an email that, Hey, your account has been unlocked and we're apologized for the inconvenience and this and that. And it was the Twitter team that had helped. And then the next day I go in, log into the account and I can see that 535 that was donated last month, 350 had already been sent back to people. <laughs> it was down to 150 and the account was still locked. So I wrote him again, said, Hey, it's still locked. He's like, sorry, we'll fix it. And they fixed it. And apparently I haven't verified this yet, but apparently it's now sorted out. But I think, you know, the lesson that universe wanted me to learn from that experience is that Stripe is another choke point and that eventually it's going to be used to deplatform the climate deniers, the election fraud <clears throat> uh, pushers, the COVID is the COVID vaccines are killing people, misinformation agents, right? So, and it, what does it back up? It backs up rumble. It, it, or it, it pays out for rumble. It pays out for Substack. It pays out for subscribe star. So if you think you're, you know, like I'm trying to decentralize everything as much as possible, but behind all three of those is the same choke point. So I'm going to work on some crypto options. Sorry if anybody was trying to jump in on spaces. I didn't, I wasn't looking, but just raise your hand, hit the little button. Otherwise we're going to wrap up. Um, but anyway, that's just, I think such an important thing to watch. So I've got to figure out, I want to get gap pay going and get an actual donation page set up on the website and all that. That may be what I focus on this week. Uh, have my daughter out at the farm. That's why I missed yesterday. And, um, she has a pet turtle named Bob now. So with that, I will bid you all adieu and we'll catch you all next broadcast. Thanks, everybody.